Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is Elena and Justin, and we're so happy to have you back with us today. We have a really cool topic that we've done some research on, and we can't wait to start the conversation with you guys as well over on social media. Don't forget to follow us at Centurion Leadership Battalion on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can also always submit your own questions and comments there. So thank you for being here. And hi, Justin. How are you, Elena? I'm doing well. I'm really excited for our topic today because it's something that you know, I use in my day-to-day life. And so it was really interesting to do some more research on it, especially in a professional uh, setting of how, how this can be used. So I'll go ahead and throw the question out. So we're not all sitting at the edge of our seats. It's how can sarcasm be used in leadership? Oh man. And this is a good one since I'm full of sarcasm right now being stuck in Mexico still. And so, um, um, well, let's introduce it, Elaine. Let's let's talk about sarcasm. I know we've done some research, and and as we're trying to, and this is something Elena has does a great job on, um, is as we're trying to get better at these and and give more value in the podcast. Um, Elena's doing some research beforehand and getting some notes, and you know I'm able to cross reference and against books and stuff I've read, and so we're trying to get um, add more layer and add more value. Um, on a per podcast basis, and we'll add a lot more research and value as we go re-record some of the questions and maybe a part two and reflect back as time goes on that I keep talking about. But right now I keep getting questions. Um, and I've actually collected a few questions here in Mexico that people have asked me because I do talk about it, guys. Um, one of the things I've done in Mexico is being around and having people around. I have taken as an opportunity to tell every single person I meet about the podcast. And so my de- the downloads and stuff in Mexico are through the roof. Why? Because I'm talking about it all the time. Why? Because I'm invigorated because and inspired because of what I'm doing, what I'm dealing with down here. And I believe now more than anything, leadership is so important for humans. So sarcasm, now that I'm still stuck in Mexico, um, let's talk about Elena. Let's talk about sort of what the research is and let's talk about what sarcasm is. Um, so yeah, definitely. Let's let's hop into it. So I would love to hear before I give the technical formal definition of sarcasm, what, what would you define sarcasm as? Um, well, see, sarcasm to me, well, I will define it differently, but um, actually, interestingly, I dealt with sarcasm so much in my life. I see I used to see it as a negative thing. Um, because it was used in a negative way with me. But if now I see sarcasm as um, I don't know, it's a way of joking around with someone. It's a way of 
giving someone humility if used in the right way. Um, it's joking around, it's, it's playful intent. Um, but I do know from my own experience that sarcasm can be severely misused, especially in the work environment and especially in family environments. Um, so my definition would be what I'd like it to be, which is um, the joking around with a human in order for them to grow. But we also know that sarcasm has a negative side. So that's not the definition. But yeah, so the formal definition of sarcasm is the use of irony to mock or convey contempt. So it does sound a little bit negative when you hear, you know, convey contempt. And some of the symptoms are mockery, ridicule, you know, satire, irony, scorn. So it does sound really negative, but I think as we're going to talk about today, sarcasm doesn't have to be, you know, a form of bullying or negativity necessarily. And yeah, one of the reasons this came up interestingly is as I've been stuck here in Mexico, I've been with a very successful, there's a very successful, he's an entrepreneur and orthopedic surgeon. He's from um, Colorado. Like he's a very successful human. He writes books also, and he's big into going around the world and teaching. And I, and I really identify with him a lot. I mean, he's um, a few years older, probably a decade and a half older than me. But his journey and his, and, his, and his trajectory is definitely similar to mine. He just did it in medicine for and wanting to help people. And I'm doing it through food and wanting to help people. That one of the things he talked about with me was this sarcasm thing. And I never thought about it before. And it's why it came up. And I we do it at work all the time. And I definitely use it on a positive side at work. And I tend to think of it as joking around. But now that I've contexted in sarcasm, and the reason I not use the word sarcasm is because it had a negative a, um, negative viewpoint in my mind until this trip. And then when I started to do research on it, Elena sent me some stuff that it is an effective tool and I do use it a lot. And it was used in my household a lot. Um, and I had, I've had soccer coaches. I've had um, a family member. I've had, um, definitely bosses and definitely co-workers that abuse sarcasm um, and to put people down um, to make them feel less or to use it in an argument to gain an advantage over someone unfairly. Um, but if I were to really think about how we should use it, um, this is the thing. And we, I keep talking about weak men. Um, weak men are often than men who can't take criticism or self-reflect and they seek power because it gives them the feeling that oh I don't need to change see this power I got it and now it's mine and you have to follow me so it's less about me getting them to lead lead and get them to follow and more about the power of saying I'm the boss do what I say and so sarcasm if used properly gives us humility it's irony, it's joking around. And one of the things I've found is that if you, you know, kids or people with autism have a lot of trouble with sarcasm and disassociating literally like things that are literal versus sarcasm. But what's interesting is if used in the right way and they build trust with a human, I, I, at least what I've read is that there can be sarcasm in that, that literalness. 
And so now let's take it a step further. We have people that grew up in harsh households that didn't have joking around, whether there was abuse, whether it was just no sarcasm, period. I mean, both exist. One's a great household on the outside, but maybe there's no sarcasm and one's a terrible household on the outside, but yet there was no sarcasm there either. Both areas create a human experience that there's not humility because everything is taken so seriously and perfection is valued so much, even in an abusive home. Like you have to try to keep things normal so the abuse doesn't continue. You have to try to keep people happy. Or in a household that doesn't have it, like we, we rob humans of humility. And if we do it in a constructive way to make a point, and I'm going to give you an example. Like I can say to Deborah, oh, I think I'm going to buy that Lamborghini today. And she's like, oh, that's funny. I really want a new pink helicopter too. Like she's not saying it to be mean, but she's making a point like, oh, come on. Like, do you really need that? Is that something that you really need? And she does it in a way that's joking around and gives me some humility in a way. And maybe I could take it wrong and maybe I couldn't. But the reality is, is what she's saying in a very short period of time versus having to explain out to me an entire like opinion is she said in very little words using sarcasm in my in in so much. Do I need that? Is it ridiculous? Is does she even need a pink helicopter? If it were not me, would I need that? You know, so it's an irony. It's a sarcasm. It's taking away my choice. I feel like, oh, don't I have the freedom and my money to buy whatever car I want? If I want a Lamborghini, I should buy it. But the reality is, is like in our relationships and people we trust, sarcasm can be used as a gut check. And it can be used by the people we trust if they're good people and we trust that they're trying to grow us. Like I trust Deborah genuinely wants me to grow. Um, then it's sarcasm's a safe thing. But if it's someone you don't know and it's a new work environment or it's a boss that misuses it to gain power or to put you down or any person in your life that does it that way, then sarcasm's negative. And so, huh, with much power becomes much responsibility, as Spider-Man would say or Uncle Ben or whoever, Aunt May, whoever, which one said it based on what multiverse or whatever Spider-Man is now. But I will hop in and share too, before we go into some of the pros and cons and things that, you know, may make sarcasm a safe bet versus not. I have always, you know, been a pretty sarcastic person. I think that kind of just was, you know, in our family growing up, it was never used, you know, in a cruel way, but it was definitely, there's definitely a lot of sarcasm that goes on in our family. And especially with, you know, Greg and myself, because we are, you know, in a relationship, we live together. We do, you know, we, we are in, in love and in a relationship, but I also, and I would assume, you know, the same for you and Deborah, like he's also one of my best friends. Like it's also a friendship. And so we are sarcastic with one another. And I will say, after being pregnant and getting, you know, these hormones through my body conversations and comments that he would have made before for, you know, years that didn't bother me now, like sarcasm to me is like a weapon of like mass destruction. Like I, we could be joking around and he could say something sarcastic because that's, you know, the tone that we're used to. And now for me, and so anyone who's had kids that listens to this may be able to relate. It's like, 
did you mean that? That hurt my feelings. Like it's a whole thing. It gets so different now. And that just made me laugh when you were talking about you and Deborah, because that's kind of how our relationship is too. And now we have to be kind of anti-sarcasm in our household for a little bit, at least for a few more months, because it can go from good to bad really, really quickly. I wanted to say that to your point, Deborah is way more literal than I am. There's much less room for sarcasm with her than with me. Like I can adapt pretty easily. I can roll. I can get offended too. Don't get me wrong. And I can get offended quickly. I'm, I, you know, it's something I need to work on and I can be very strong to, to sarcasm if it's misused towards me or if someone's trying to get power over me. Like I recognize it very quickly in my experience now. Like someone's trying to exploit me. Someone's trying to use sarcasm to get an advantage on me. I can pick it up very quickly and I am working on how I react to it. I do react very strong when someone's trying to exploit me or manipulate me, even though I don't think everyone realizes they're doing it uh, intentionally. I don't think people do, but I react very strongly. So to your point, I think that um, as a woman, Um, And being a mother, there's a lot of things that come with that. And I think the seriousness of having to raise a human life adds a different perspective of life, of realism. And um, I think as a parent myself, pseudo parent of stepchildren, learning it over the last eight, nine, 10 years, whatever it's been, um, it's weird. Like you, your life is more serious and there's less room for sarcasm, but it still needs to be there. And I don't know why, but you're suddenly responsible for a future generation and raising a family. And women take to that before men, just because they're carrying a baby. I, I at least in my opinion, I mean, maybe it's not 100% true, but just, I mean, you're living it already and he's sort of, yeah, it's here, but it's not physically in my world yet. It's the bumps there and you're there, but you're always there. And so whether you have the person inside or not, you're still the person there. But to you, you know, you have a living person and you, you know that you're no longer the same anymore. And I think men tend to go through the change after the child's born versus during the pregnancy. And I think that adds a lot of hardship during pregnancy for a lot of couples. But um, to your sarcasm point, I agree with you as life gets more serious and you raise children, this sarcasm thing becomes a more sensitive issue because you're like, am I not raising the children properly? Oh my God, did I do that wrong? And you're responsible for someone else's life and this sensitivity. And I think it's just natural. Um, so I do want to comment on that, but yes, I 100% agree with you that sarcasm can become hurtful between Deborah and I, and I am a very joking around person. I I tend to be very serious about my goals and accomplishing things, but my failures, I sarcasm and joke my way through them as a way for me to not take myself so seriously. And as a leader, there are times where I get caught up in why can't someone just do what I fucking ask them? Why does this have to be so hard? But the reality is, is my methods wrong. And I'm being weak in my leadership by saying that and demanding that. And I'm being a weak person at the time. Really, I admit it. And I live in leadership. I can be weak sometimes. I just can't let weak win all the time. And I can't start a pattern of weakness because I told you what happens when good men start acting weak all the time. And so in the previous podcast, but 
I would say, Elena, I love, um, I love sarcasm as a tool if used properly. And um, I think in relationships, they can help deal with relationship problems. But I think it depends on the couple. And I think it depends on the human. And, I, and to your point, I, I've seen it just as Deborah and I have changed our relationship um, from time to time that sometimes sarcasm is more than the other. So I think really it's about being reflective about how you, someone is reacting to you and how you need to adapt. And then in relationships, um, my God, it's like growth. I don't even know, but yes. Um, I don't think you're wrong in feeling what's going on. I think your body has changed and you're just a little ahead and you're, you're already realizing I'm responsible and there's all this pressure. And now I have this human that I need to be responsible for and growing, but you know, I know that you're going to do a great job, but you don't always know that. Right. Yeah. Deborah doesn't always know that. What you, what you shared about the, you know, the, the man or the father kind of catching on a little bit later is definitely true. And that's a conversation I've had with so many moms, um, just since finding out that I was pregnant, um, is your body is changing. You know, I was sick for four months. I had a really, really hard first trimester of pregnancy, unfortunately, and not to scare everyone because not everyone gets like that, but I was sick every single day for four months. And, you know, Greg knew the baby was coming. We went to the doctor and did the ultrasounds. Like we, we knew, the baby was coming. We both knew that, but for me, it was already changing my life and my day to day. You know, there's no more, you know, I couldn't work out. I couldn't really eat super healthy. I was living off French fries and, you know, I couldn't, you know, have a glass of wine at dinner. I couldn't do these normal things. I was too tired to go out to dinner with friends like we would normally do. And, and Greg wasn't feeling that way. So it was definitely a tension and something we had to work through, um, in our relationship. And I'd love to do a conversation and, and podcasts just about relationships in general, whether it's personal or professional, but you know, you go through these different seasons and you have to adapt. Like we talked about in an earlier episode that you guys should all listen to of adapting versus conforming. Um, anyway, we had to adapt to these things and now it's definitely getting more real as you know, we go to the ultrasounds and it doesn't look like an alien. It looks like a baby, like things like that, make it more real make things, you know, for the father, this far along, you know, six months, it, it definitely makes things more real, but I would, to your point, I completely agree, you know, with all of that and sarcasm can definitely be beneficial or harmful in, in personal relationships, whether it's with your partner, like we've talked about, or with your parents, especially those generational divides. Um, I don't even know if my sister really uses sarcasm with her friends and she's in high school. So there are these gaps in these, these different, you know, upbringings and pasts and histories and traumas people carry and people have that they may not react the same way to sarcasm. Some people are way more sensitive than other people and that's okay. Um, but I'd love to hop into kind of the more research-based studies that we looked at when we were preparing for this episode to talk about, you know, the pros versus the cons of using sarcasm and just everything that we researched. So just to kind of kick things off, there was a study that I wanted to share, um, about how sarcasm can be used intentionally and strategically. And so when it's used that way, they say that sarcasm is a skill and they say that they did this research in a professional environment. So in businesses and brands and companies and things like that. 
And there's actually something called a neurohumorist, which I had never heard about before. Um, the, the neurohumorist I looked into was Karen Buxman. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, she studies the intersection of humor and how it affects and works in the human brain and kind of what it does. So there was a study about how sarcasm builds creativity because you have to use abstract thinking to really decode what the person's saying. So just like you shared in the specific, you know, conversation you had with Deborah to break down that comment, you really have to use, you know, thinking it's not just like a normal, you know, neutral comment or conversation. You're like, Oh, what did that mean? Your brain has to process it. And it really accesses different parts of your brain, which you really don't think about, you know, sarcasm doing those things, but it really does. And there was a study from Harvard business school and Columbia business school where they used experiments to demonstrate, um, how sarcasm can create conflict, but it also stirs that creativity because of the abstract thinking. And you guys can do some research on this study. It's all over the internet, but basically they produced, they presented these cartoons of, you know, two people speaking. And so one of the cartoons had a blank or a, a thought bubble that was left blank and they had to, the participants had to fill in the bubble. So some participants, um, in the, in the group that was told to express sarcasm, they had to fill in a sarcastic reply to the original cartoon and others that were in the receiving sarcasm group. They were told that the cartoon speaker was being sarcastic and they had to reply with the first thought that came to mind. So whether that was offense or, you know, creative thinking, whatever it may have been, they had to reply with that first thought. Um, and then another group was told to reply sincerely using the sincerity condition. And they were told that the speaker was being sincere with the comment, not sarcastic, um, and they were told to reply with any other information given. Basically, what the study found is the group that had to reply with a sarcastic comment or had to reply with a comment to a sarcastic comment, um, they ended up accessing more parts of their brain that, you know, used more creativity. So it really is intellectually simulating um, when you use it in the right way. So it's definitely interesting. And I think as you shared before, you know, sarcasm can be detrimental if it's if it's spoken to you by someone you don't know, like, or trust, right? So we talk about selling and business all the time. And to buy something from someone, you have to know, like, and trust, you know, that person, that brand, whatever it may be. So if you are told a sarcastic comment from a boss who you always feel is degrading, or you're told a sarcastic comment from a parent who mistreated you, you know, you're not going to take that comment the same way you would in a joking relationship or conversation with your partner, your best friend, whatever it might be among someone who's a friend to you, who's your equal. Um, but your brain, no matter who gives you the sarcastic comment has to work harder to figure out that comment. Um, so it can bond like-minded people together, but you, it's very important that, you know, there's trust in the relationship that it comes from. So this is not a podcast saying if you're a boss or a manager and you've had a really difficult relationship with an employee, go to them and be sarcastic and it's going to build trust. You know, it, it's more so you have to have established trust in that relationship and solid ground to use sarcasm creatively um, and in a way that's not offensive and not used as a weapon. Yeah, and I'll be honest, um, Alana, to your point, like I respond to sarcasm much better than Deborah. And Deborah doesn't respond, and it's not as productive to use sarcasm with her over everything. Some things it is, um, some things it isn't. Uh, Deborah's more like we need to have a straightforward, hard conversation and maybe get into the weeds a little bit. But sarcasm is essential when Deborah's taking herself too seriously. 
Like when Tebra's being too serious about herself or her kids or something, sarcasm's my method. But when it comes to how she feels about herself or, you know, or whatever, like that's not something I joke around about. Like Deborah's a confident woman. She's raised two beautiful kids. My stepdaughters are incredible humans. And like, I don't let her ever feel any way different because to joke around about it goes against our innate being of a woman. A woman's job is to raise children. You hack around to that. You joke around about it. You do about sarcasm. It's not good because you're hacking away at what someone's purpose is. And same with someone being a father. Like that's not like when you joke around what our innate purpose is, like that's not something to be sarcastic about. You can help them grow, but it's people take being parents very seriously and being a father and a mother. And like, so those are things that I know that I shouldn't joke around about. And Deborah tends to not joke around with me because one, I'm not a parent, but two, I'm sensitive that I'm not a parent and I don't want to act like not a parent and I don't want to do damage. So I juggle a different thing. You know, my parenting was a little bit different. It still is different. And even, I wouldn't even call it parenting, but it's um, because I don't look at it. I look at it. I, and it's interesting. We call it parenting because we have parenting, but what we're actually building is a legacy and we're not parenting. We're building a legacy that represents our family and our kids' families for years upon years to come. And so um, sarcasm for me works. So let me go back. If Deborah and I would have been like, no, why do you want that card? Stupid. You don't need that. Like we would have been in a fight. And the fact that she said, no, I couldn't have it. And was like, I wouldn't interpret as you're telling me what to do with my money. And I worked hard for my money and I'm going to do it anyway. Like that's what would have happened. It would have spiraled into something where, okay, now we're like, Hey, I work hard. I should be able to buy what I want with my money versus an actual problem, which was not my ego, which is okay. Do I really need this or not? Just like, what do I need a helicopter for, let alone a pink one? You know, like, that's the thing, you know? Sure, I want cars. I will have cars and I will have Lamborghinis and all that one day. That's the point, hopefully. But in the meantime, her point is, was more or less, and it got me thinking that I need to keep investing money back in the business, back in the food, back in the Centurion Battalion. And anything else can wait because it, I, it's just like, do I really need a pink helicopter right now? No, I don't. What I need to be doing is reinvesting my money and putting it back into the world and growing the humans so we can, you know, hopefully have a better planet. And if a few Lamborghinis come along one day, great. I hope they do. I love cars, but the reality is, is right now I need to be reinvesting as much as I can in our future and our my stepkids future and the future of food service partners and the future of humans in the world. Because I interestingly am one of the only people in the world that deals with such a diverse food system and in healthcare and in it, are there other companies that deal with diverse amounts of food? Yeah. But I don't think any other company in the world, I'm guessing even a grocery store probably deals with the amount of diversity in food as we do and nutrition and stuff like that. I bet maybe there's a couple out there. I don't know them, but it's put us in a position where it matters. So sarcasm, not sarcasm, whatever, what she did is she created something in my head that made me stay true to myself and stay true to my goals. And if I would have bought a car and blown the money and then not had it to grow the company, for example, it's a bad example, but 
we all know how much a Lamborghini costs. That's why I picked it. Um, you could literally do a lot for your business or growing a business or other humans or growing other humans with that money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have trophies and we shouldn't win. And I shouldn't have a Lamborghini as a trophy for kicking ass because I will buy one one day, probably as a trophy for knowing that I kicked ass. It's for me. I'm not showing it off for anyone. This is going on my mantle. I fucking did this. But the reality is, is I say that and it's a trophy and it's going on the mantle and I did this. But the reality is, is I didn't do it. I did it with a lot of people and I did it with a lot of help of a lot of people at Food Partners and people um, just no different than Lena. So while I can go get the trophy, the reality is, is if I'm going to really have a trophy, it's what is it going to look like when I'm when the day that I die? How many lives did I influence? How many jobs did I create? How many people realize that the food is actually our saving grace for the world and for our planet and for humans, for our existence? And if I can get as many people and make as much of an influence and have as many people building financial independence and lifelong legacies or, or sorry, multiple generation legacies that have positive impacts on the world, then I then that's my trophy. Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm probably will have a car here or there because i'm just i like cars but at the end of the day and could it be my trophy because i did something awesome or did some speaking engagement and made a lot of money sure and i want them i like them they're for me they are my trophies but i but deborah's comment was true to me in that she knew me enough to say that if you do that, you're going to look back on it and say that I should have done more with that instead of putting it into that right now. And she did that without an argument or me being an egotistical maniac and say, you can't tell me what to do. I'm an entrepreneur. Do what I want. I whatever, because that's the type of person I am sometimes. Hmm. The other part of being an entrepreneur is I am a rebellious person all the way through. Mm -hmm. And I and I adapt all the time. And I am an opportunist. And what I mean by that is I'm not always looking to take advantage of other people's opportunities or opportunities that come. I do go after those. Every opportunity that comes, I go after it. But I also, on a continuous basis, whether it's this podcast or just the food entrepreneurs or new things we're doing at Food Service Purpose, I'm creating opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you do that, you need to build trust with people. And in that trust, some people respond better to sarcasm than others. And you need to know who those people are. And, and in order to build a strong relationship with them, you need to know what type of sarcasm they respond positively to, if any. And if the person can't handle sarcasm, period, um, which probably means they can't handle criticism or even constructive criticism, it's just something you now need to be aware of. And a little bit of sarcasm in a very innocent way can help start to break down that barrier with someone. If a person's too literal or too serious, again, do not go after their job. Do not go after their family. The things that they have purpose in, it's little things like, oh, you know, whatever. I don't know. You can find that Elena talked about one, but there are ways we can joke around about people with people like that make them you know, that give them a little bit like a, oh, the badge is upside down. Oh, Molly feeling a little upside down today, you know, and she'll look at you like, huh? And we point at the badge, 
You know, it's a little bit of sarcasm. It's a little bit of joking around. It's not really, she's not really upside down. She just had her badge upside down. And while she'll correct her badge, you just had a little bit of joking around. And then she may be embarrassed a little bit that her badge was upside down, but it isn't extremely harmful. It's a kind of an innocent little act. And maybe she might get mad at me and be like, why were you see picking on me or whatever? But it was such a minor thing that we can start to address the uncomfortability in it and start getting the person used to criticism and sarcasm. Because one of the things I will say, if someone can't handle any sarcasm whatsoever, they can't handle criticism. And that I, I will say is almost 100% true. I know there's exceptions, believe me, and humans, but in my experience, the majority of the time, if a person can't handle sarcasm, they can't handle criticism. So that's all I had, Elena. Sorry, we went on a little longer than we talked about, but I don't know if you have anything else or stuff you've done that you want to wrap up on, but I just want to really make that point. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a really great conversation and uh, with information shared both about how you can do this personally, how you can do this professionally um, and using sarcasm, you know, it can either be used as a tool or a weapon. And I think, you know, there's so many examples of things that can be used constructively or not. Um, But especially things with like sarcasm, some of the cons that, you know, I didn't, didn't list out, obviously they're pretty obvious, but it can produce anger. It can, you know, produce embarrassment, especially if it's used in front of an audience, you know, for example, Justin and myself in a room with a bunch of team members and Justin uses a sarcastic comment to kind of degrade me right in front of other team members that's used in front of an audience. And that's when it can produce anger and embarrassment can also lead to resentment of leaders if it's damaging to that employee's social standing. So this is in terms of, you know, professionally in business, but you can think of this in terms of uh, personal relationships too. I mean, I know there's definitely been times, you know, like I said, I come from a family that uses sarcasm, um, friends, you know, who use sarcasm. I'm sure there's times when people have made a sarcastic comment towards you that may have not been a jab or intended to be, but you know, maybe you're feeling sensitive that day. Maybe it's a sensitive topic for you and no one knows that, but they use that sarcasm in front of other people. And then you just resent that person. And then that damages that relationship and that's ongoing. Right. So, um, it's really important to, to note when you're going to use sarcasm and how you're going to use it. Um, and, and just who you're using it towards and what the scenario or the situation is, because the study did note the study we referenced earlier, that it can increase conflict when it's compared to neutral conversations, but it can also lead to more creativity. So I think it all comes down to just trust and really just, you know, people say these days, read the room, right? People always say that. And for a while I was like, what does that even mean? But I think now, you know, this is a really good example of, of using that, like read the room, read the situation, read the person. Is this person in a sensitive place? Is this person, you know, going to, could this person take this comment, you know, in a harsh or degrading way? Um, and really just think those things through before using sarcasm. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to those last few. I do. I do. And I'll, I'll cut it. I'll let Mike drop it on this because we talked a lot about me and how I can be sarcastic or, or whatever. But listen, at the end of the day, every single human in the world, we should get, we should work on having more humility and, and laughing at ourselves. And someone may, we can be sensitive. I can be sensitive. I can be too sensitive and I can take people's sarcasm personally, 
But at the end of the day, when I really walk back and I think about it and I get over my ego and my sensitivity, I laugh at myself a little bit. Like there's some truth in it. Like, okay, like, you know, and so if I were really to say if anyone got anything out of this podcast, like we just need to be okay with sarcasm and laugh at ourselves. It's okay. We're not perfect and we're never going to have failures and learn from them if we can't sort of have some humility and laugh at ourselves and the ability to make fun of even ourselves a little bit. I don't encourage it because you're putting yourself down in front of other people. But when you're in your own space and I make, look, oh God, Justin, you put too much mousse in your hair. You know, I can make fun of myself when I'm by myself. And I think hugely important, Elena, what you said, and I never talked about it, but sarcasm is not good in a group setting period. In your family, if you have your family dynamic and people do it, my family does it, we get it. It's okay. But I would say that, um, that in leadership roles and in stuff like that, it's based on a lot of one-on-one relationships and trust. And maybe even a couple of settings, if you're really close to a couple, another couple, maybe the four of you guys have sort of sarcasm in your stuff. But I generally think it's more based on a, on the one-on-one relationships because sarcasm, like you said, in a group setting, becomes putting down the other person in front of a group of people. I don't necessarily consider it sarcasm, at least in my own experiences. I would talk about with coaches and bosses and stuff like that that have done it. And from my own experience, I feel that way. So... Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think this was a really helpful conversation and I would love to hear everyone's feedback. You can email us or comment on our Facebook or Instagram posts. We'll have some content going up around this episode uh, topic whenever it comes out, but we really appreciate and thank you guys for being here, for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating or review. Don't forget to send this to a friend or send this to someone who has used sarcasm against you and hurt your feelings. And you want to send them a subliminal jab and let them know to stop doing that. Um, and how to use sarcasm, you know, in a positive way to, to promote creativity and really be beneficial to those relationships. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I thought about no one ever talks about it on a business sense. I don't learn it in business school. It wasn't something, but it is such a vital piece of humans. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that we misuse it. And I don't mean we don't adapt and people change and bodies change. And we need to address the way our sarcasm is and we need to grow. But what I am saying is that it's an effective way for humans to learn to not take themselves so seriously and have some humility and not end up weak men. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I completely agree. So, all right. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And uh, hopefully that was a quick one. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.